Would you turn please to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter this evening? 1 Corinthians 12, 18. Well, let me back up. Verse 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. How many bodies are there? One. For the body is not one member, but many. One body, but how many members? Many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Well, no, it's still part of the body. If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Well, no, it's still part of the body and still an important part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? Well, there wouldn't be any. If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? There wouldn't be any. Now, why would he say all this? You know, he's comparing the body of Christ made up of individual people like me and you to the human body made up of many individual parts and members. And why would you talk about somebody saying, I'm not that part, so I'm not part of the whole deal? Well, obviously, people have tended to get their eyes on something else, some other part than themselves, and long for that. And not esteem their own place. And even get disgruntled and bitter and go, I'm going to understand this is bitterness when you hear, if I can't be that part, I'm just no part of the whole deal. Can you hear that? Well, this must be an issue or it wouldn't be here in the Bible. This obviously has been the temptation, has been the problem for generation after generation after generation. You know, people tend not to appreciate what they have. You, know, you heard the phrase about the grass being greener or appearing greener on the other side. You ever see the cow stretching through the barbed wire fence, <laughs> scratching her neck, and really the grass is exactly the same. <laughs> right there, you know, on her side of the fence as it is right there. Many times. Well, that's the picture. You know, you are familiar with what you have. You're not familiar with what other people have. So it's easy to romanticize about theirs. It's easy to imagine that theirs is so much greater than yours. I know when I first started in the ministry and I first started growing and developing some spiritually, there were some individuals. Man, I wanted to be like them. I wanted my life to be like their life. And I wanted my ministry to be like their ministry. And it bothered me at times. And I felt bad and I felt frustrated at times. And then I grew for 10 to 15 years and looked back and realized I was in better shape than they were in some of those areas and didn't have enough sense to realize it. I'm wanting to be like them. It's foolish. The Bible warns us about comparing ourselves among ourselves. Certainly, you know all of the problems with what you have. And you know little or none of the problems of what they have. Same is true about somebody else's spouse. <laughs> they look so wonderful. 
from a distance. <laughs> People don't live in reality. They let the enemy dupe them and bring all kind of fantasies. I assure you, everybody you meet is human. <laughs> and have not fully developed to Christ-like perfection. I assure you. And uh, has some ways about them that they need to change and have made mistakes. A plenty. But see, when you're looking from afar and you know nothing about them, you can imagine the perfect world. <laughs> and you're just yielding to the devil. Did you hear me? How many of the Bible told us, cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? No. Have some sense. Realize you haven't got a clue what their ministry is like. You don't have a clue what their personal life is like. You don't know. Believe the best. But don't fall off your chair if you find out it's not quite that good. Because <laughs> you know yourself, you've had issues. So here, obviously, you got one body part looking at the other body part. And wanting that you got in an ear wanting to be an eye. Thinking, oh, to be an eye. <laughs> so lovely. I mean, an ear, I'm always on the side of things. I'm always. And depending on people's hairstyle, may not be seen at all. <laughs> and the eye, always front and center. And you know, and you hear all the time, oh, you have such pretty eyes. But how many times do you hear? Oh, you have such pretty ears. <laughs> it's just not fair. Why should the eye get all the attention? I want to be an eye. Lord, why didn't you make me an eye? I want to be an eye. In fact, if I can't be an eye, I won't be a part. <laughs> I know it sounds humorous. But it is happening every day in the body of Christ, in the church, and it's not funny. People are miserable when they could be enjoying life, being what they are, enjoying their place, developing in their graces. It's fine to be thankful and admire and be impressed with another body part and their graces and in the body of Christ. That's great. But never ever envy and be jealous and despise what you have comparing it to that. Because tell me the truth again. You don't know what it's like to be an eye. I assure you it has its issues too. Right? Every place, every part has its graces and gifts and has its challenges. Everyone. And we should not compare 
And we certainly should not get down because we're not a different part. Keep reading. Verse 18. But now has God set the members. Who did it? God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Read that out loud with me. But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him. So really, if the Lord made you an ear, and you're upset because you're not an eye, who are you really upset at? I guess you're really upset at the one who made you the ear. And you're questioning his wisdom. Aren't you? Second guessing his goodness. You're exhibiting lack of faith in your creator. If you really believed in him and you really trusted him, you'd say, well, the Lord knew what he was doing. Hmm? He knew what he was doing. He knows the end from the beginning. And when he made me and he gave me my abilities and gave me my place and he's fitted me where he wants me to be, he knew this was the best place in the world for me. This was the best job for me to do in the world. He, he knew. And you need to glory in that and you need to trust him and you need to have enough sense not to think you can do a better job than him. Placing you and gracing you. The first thing that we've begun to establish, the title of our series is Graces and Places. And the first thing we've begun to establish is that every one of us has a God-ordained place in the body of Christ. And every one of us has God-given grace that enables us to fill that place and to do the job of the office. Every one of us. Said out loud, God appointed. appointed. Now see, God appointed is the very different from self-assumed. And yet we got many, many people. They would say Jesus is their Lord, but really He's not. He's their Savior, but they're running their life. They go where they want to go, when they want to go. They hook up with what they want to join and be a part of, and they get out of it when they want to get out of it. Uh, You know, God could supernaturally put them in a place, and if somebody rubs them the wrong way, makes them mad, upsets them, don't treat them right, or they think they don't treat them right, they're gone, they jump out and formulate a new plan, uh, substitute for God's plan. Friend, this is happening all over the world. And it's a problem. As a result, we've got many, many people out of their places. Out of your place. And like we've said before, if you're out of your place, you're out of your grace, what will happen? You'll fall on your face. Your abilities are not working like they're supposed to because you're not in your place. Now, go with me please to Romans, the 12th chapter. We should rejoice in God's choice for us. We should trust his plan. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teaches, on teaching. Or he that exhorts, on exhortation. He that gives, let him do it with simplicity. He that rules, with diligence. He that shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Can you see a variety of different places and graces of people that are doing things that are benefiting the whole body? Now, the further I go, the more and more I'm seeing that the answer has been in front of us all the time in whatever you want to talk about. Area after area, we already know the answers. If you've heard some teaching and preaching of the Word, you heard it and could probably quote it. But we haven't discerned it. We haven't realized that we got the answer in front of us. And that's what the Spirit of God is doing. In these services and other services and times, He's opening up our eyes to see what we already heard, what we already knew, and where it fits, where we fit. Notice this. He said, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present yourself living sacrifice. Put this up in the Amplified, please. Verse 1 in the Amplified. In view of the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice Wholly devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. If God has saved you, how many think you ought to be available for service to Him? Hmm? If He has saved you, bought you, and paid for you. You know, that's one of the things I love about Him. Is uh, He owns you at least twice over. At least three times over, I'm, I'm sure the list could go on and on. What do you mean? Well, number one, He created you. He made you. He owned you by right of uh, creation. I mean, if you fabricate something with your hands and you made it, it's yours. Do with what you want to. You created it. And number two, He owns us by right of continual sustaining how many know if he didn't give you your next breath, you'll fall out this chair right here. Boom. Everybody take a breath. Do you know who gave you that? Do you have enough understanding to know? 
Hmm? Now, a lot of people say, oh, God gave you this. Uh, we are organisms that have developed on this planet. And we've, you know, through our industriousness and our superior intelligence, we've developed the society that we have. And Yeah, and the Bible says you're a fool. If you believe that, you're a fool. And soon and very soon, everybody will find out. Everybody will find out. But the smart ones confess Him as Lord now, here and now, and give Him the glory for every good thing that we enjoy. How many believe the Bible that says every good gift, every perfect gift? Doesn't just appear out of the cosmos. It it comes from God. From Him. He's good. And He never changes. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Well, He owns us by right of continual sustenance or sustaining. But then thirdly, He owns us by right of redemption. Man sold himself. And decided to rebel against God and disobey God. Follow the enemy's instructions. And through sin, man died. But praise God. The author, the creator, the one who ever sustains, also sent the master. Who gave himself and bought us and paid for us. Hallelujah. Bought us and paid for us. Now he owns us by right of creation. By right of sustaining us every millisecond. By right of buying us back. His own creation. He bought back. And he still will hand you the keys. And say okay serve me if you want to. Even though he owns us multiple times over. Don't that make you love him? And then. If you have any wisdom. He'll say oh. It's just my reasonable service. It's just being intelligent. To give my body. To give my life. In service to you. But then can you see how this passage unfolds? He begins to get specific about how you're going to serve him. Doesn't he? And he tells how to find your place and how to fill your place. Are you interested? This passage gives us several answers. What I was saying, we you know how many have read this passage, Romans 12 before? Well, I'm telling you, it's here. The answers are here, many of them. In these verses. How are you going to find your place? Verse 2. Be not conformed. To this world. But be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove. What is that good and acceptable. And perfect will of God. How are you going to find. The perfect will of God. For you, for your life, what needs to happen? What needs to happen? What should you beware of? Being conformed to the world around about you. Carnality, worldliness will hinder you from finding your place. Did you hear me? What needs to happen? For you to find and discern the perfect will of God. Your mind must be renewed. I said your mind must be renewed. What's going to renew your mind? 
anointed word. The anointing on his word renews your mind, changes the way you think, changes the way you see things. That is necessary for the Lord to get you in your place. If you think just like the unsaved world, you're not going to find your place. And the more we feed on worldliness and ungodliness, and the more we yield to the flesh, the more we do things that we know is not right, it dulls us. And it hinders us. And the result is confusion. There is too much confusion, isn't there, in the body of Christ? Too much confusion. Go to 1 Corinthians what is it, the 14th chapter? 1 Corinthians 14 and 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Now we can just stop right here. How many know you are not going to find your place and your grace in confusion? Could you find it in peace? By following peace? Mm -hmm. He said, as in all churches of the saints. You see the words, the author, are in brackets. It means they are not in the original text. They were added by the translators. It just literally says, God is not of confusion. Another way to say it, He's not in it. So when you see a bunch of confusion, what do you know? God's not in any of that. I don't care who it is. God is not in confusion. Because he's not confused. (laughs) And he never will be. He knows where it's come from. He knows where it is. He knows where it's going. He knows what it should be. What it should not be. He knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. He knows what's his plan and what is not his plan. How many know God is not confused? Not at all. Has he confused at all about you? No. He might be a lot of things about you, but he's not confused about you. (laughs) He could be unhappy with you. He could be displeased with you. He could even be angry with you, but he's not confused about you. Of course, he could be pleased with you. God is not in confusion. The Lord helped me to see this many years ago. Anytime things start getting complicated and confusing, flags ought to start going off in you. What do you know already? God's not in this. I got to back off because when I see this in the light, it'll be simple. Every time. Even the deep things of God, when He reveals them to you, they're amazing, they're profound, they're eternal, but the Holy Spirit's such an awesome teacher, He can reveal them to you in such a way that you see it plain and clear. And never will the Spirit of God leave you in a state of confusion from what He did. No. Are there a lot of Christians in confusion? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they didn't get there from doing what the Lord told them to do. It's not a result of what He's done in their life. 
that has confused them. Are y'all with me? How many know the Lord does not change? He said, I am the Lord. I'm God. I change not. Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So you see people that say, God told me to do this. And they fall on their face. Well, he said, don't do that now. He said, do this. And then, well, the Lord said, do something else. Well, is the Lord saying all that? And they're all confused. And they're confused. Their spouse is confused. Their kids are confused. The dog's confused. (laughs) And the cat. And the goldfish. All confused. How many know when the house is full of confusion? God's not in that. Is He? He's not in that. What is God in? That same verse talked about. What, what He's in? Oh, He is the God of peace. How many know when you see and when you know and it's clear? Peace. Thank you, Lord. The peace of God passes understanding, keeps your heart and mind. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Having the privilege of working at Brother Hagin's ministry in his healing outreach for a number of years, I became interested in longevity because I saw it was connected. And actually, Psalm 91 you know we talk about being the protection song and it is but the end of it is living a long time well of course if you don't get killed from all the diseases and all the accidents and everything else you can make it a long time so it's just natural that it flows together like that and he said with long life I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation so I begin to get interested in that and I begin to study it and I got clippings from people that lived Way a hundred plus and way over a hundred and and begin to look for common things, not naturally but spiritually. You know it's okay to observe some natural things, but that's not enough. You can have the perfect exercise regimen and perfect diet regimen and die young. Did you know that? I'm not knocking that. That is good, and you want to be led, but there's much more to it than that. And the biggest thing that I observed, looking at person after person and verse after verse, is stress. Stress will make you old before your time. Stress will take years and decades off of your life. Are you with me, friends? It'll make your insides old. It'll make your brain old. It'll make your liver old. Are you listening to me? It'll make your joints old. It will age you rapidly. Now, a lot of people have thought, well, yeah, man, I believe that. And that's why I got to quit my job. And I got to leave my wife. And I got to leave my husband. And and I got to get out of this because I got to get out of this stress. (laughs) No. No. You can leave everybody. You can go to a deserted island and be stressed out because ain't nobody else there. (laughs) It's not your circumstances that are stressing you out. It's how you're dealing with them. It's how you're reacting and responding to them. And that wouldn't make any difference where you are. You can stress out over nothing. People do it all the time. I mean, you can break a nail. And just totally lose your joy and peace for three days. 
If you want to. You know, a measure of your maturity in faith and uh, being led by the Spirit is revealed by what it takes to get to you. What does it take to bug you? What does it take to stress you? That shows you where you are. (laughs) If you're really strong and you're really full of faith, man, thing after thing can happen. I'm not saying you're enjoying it, but you don't let it get to you. Just because something's around you and outside you and on your head doesn't mean you have to let it in you. Are you listening? It's totally up to you what you let in you. And is it possible with trouble all round about you, you can still have the peace of God in you? The Lord said so, didn't he? He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. In the world, you're going to have some tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And the greater one's inside you. Hallelujah. And he gave us his peace. So it's not okay for us to let ourselves get stressed out all the time. Let ourselves get confused. When peace has been a personal gift to us from the head of the church. Somebody say, his peace is mine. His peace is mine. The peace of Jesus is in me and on me. His peace keeps my heart, keeps my mind through the anointed one. Oh, hallelujah. Have we already found something good? How are you going to find your place? How are you going to find your place? Well, you must not be conformed to the way the unsaved world around about you thinks and lives. If you do that, if you get sucked into that, and you let yourself think like them, and talk like them, and plan and live like them, you can waste your whole life and never find your place. Because the whole world, the unsaved world around about you, is godless. You know what I mean by that? God is not in their thoughts. They're not interested in the plan of God. They don't want to know the plan of God. They're making their own plans. They're interested in their education and in their accomplishments and in and their climbing the ladder and their reaching their goals and their dreams without God. God is not in it. And you can get caught up in that. All you got to do is just go with the flow. And you'll get to talking about what you want and your dream and you're this and you're that. And if you get conformed to this world, you can live your whole life and never find your place. Got to be renewed. I said you got to be renewed. How many want to be renewed? Now, two things we're going to launch into right now that are key to you and I finding and filling our place. And you'll see what we've already touched on will come back up again and again. But uh, the first one is the call. Somebody say the call. The call. Many are called. Few are chosen. Why would that be? God just rejected a bunch of them. 
No, because not, uh, not everyone that's called responds. Look with me in uh, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5. You know, the Bible said uh, in John, you're going to 1 Thessalonians, but in, in John we read this in our studies on Sunday already, where that before Lazarus was raised from the dead, Martha came and called Mary, her sister, secretly. And she called over the side, and this is what she told her. She said, the Master is come, and He's calling for you. That's an eternal word, isn't it? The Master is come. Is He come? Is He calling for you? He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Is the call going out spiritually throughout the whole earth? How many are called? He said, many, many. The, this, this refers to the no, actual number. The number is a big number. How many are chosen? Not nearly as many as are called. That's sad, isn't it? Why? Because people are not heeding the call. They're not esteeming the call. The psalmist said, deep calls unto deep. At the noise of thy water spouts. Deep calls. Oh, this is exciting. The Lord has created you. And the fact that you exist means there's a place for you that exists. (laughs) You would not exist if there wasn't a place for you. Because that would mean God got caught off guard. Or missed somebody. Or made a mistake. Never has happened. Never will happen. Impossible cannot happen. So the very fact that you exist. Means there is a God designed. God appointed place. Where you fit. Hallelujah. And that place is calling for you. And the grace that God has put in you is calling for that place. It's happening right now. Glory to God. It's kind of like sonar. Boop. Boop. And it's ricocheting off of your place. Boop. Boop. Ping. It's in you. If you'll get quiet at night and you're by yourself, and not thinking about a bunch of junk and stuff and temporary and foolish stuff, it becomes clearer. It becomes stronger. You know your Creator lives. You know He's there. You know His plan for you is real. Oh, do you hear it, friends? The master has come and he's calling for you. And the depth of what he's prepared for you, the height of it and the depth and the breadth and the width of it is calling for you. The fullness of it is calling for you. And there's a lot more in you than what you've acknowledged. 
the depth that He's placed in you is calling for that. Oh, friends, you don't have to look far to see this. How do the birds know where to fly? How do the fish know where to swim? Their circuits, their routes, their migration routes are astounding. They have no GPS. They have no walkie-talkies. They, they have no external compass. You might know what I'm talking about. And yet a little hummingbird will fly all the way from Wyoming to Central America and get to the same place. How? Something there is calling to something in them. And they do not have the disadvantage of educating their little minds beyond... (laughs) when they have an inclination to head that away they yield they go and it can be so strong in them that they will go through tremendous obstacles won't they salmon swimming upstream Swimming up waterfalls, doing Herculean feats of physical... Have you seen it? Why? How do they even know where they're going? Do you know how many opportunities they had to make a wrong turn? Out of all these streams and rivers and places, they could have gone all over the place. But they make it exactly back. Exactly. And none of it was through their mind. They didn't think any of it out. They didn't plan any of it out. They didn't reason any of it out. They didn't do the math on any of it. (laughs) But there was something over there calling to something in them. And by the way God created them, they're able to follow it. So that they get back to their place. I said they get back to their place. Against all obstacles. Well if God can get a salmon. To his place. If God could get a goose. (laughs) To their place. Why can't we? Blood-bought, born again, supposedly intelligent. (laughs) Holy Ghost, anointed and empowered, Jesus' name authorized, been given the mind of Christ. Why couldn't we find our place? We can. I said we can. We're supposed to. Every one of us. Every one of us is supposed to track right through life on the course He laid out for us and go exactly through the places and to the place that He planned. Every one of us. Every one of us. 
Somebody say every one of us. Every one of us. Here's one thing I want you to keep in your mind and let's stir ourselves up. You're there in 1 Thessalonians 5. Some folks may think, well, hurry up and get to the part to tell me exactly how. That's what we're doing right now. It's happening. It's going on. (laughs) Do you know what you're hearing? Are you discerning what's happening? 1 Thessalonians. Fifth chapter, 23rd verse, 523. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely. And I pray God's in italics there, so it just would go straight to it and say, And your whole spirit and soul. And body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many believe God could keep you? Spirit, soul, and body. Part of keeping you is keeping you on track. Keeping you where you need to be instead of, I mean, losing things of body, soul, and spirit is from going to the wrong place and doing the wrong thing and being out of the will of God. Can He preserve you? Can He keep you? preserved, blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24. Faithful is He that calls you, who also will do it. Do what? Keep you. Go back to verse 23. What will He do? He will keep you. He will preserve you. Your whole being. I want you to say verse 24 out loud. I want us to say it two or three times. Say it out loud. Faithful is he that calls me. Who also will do it. Say it again. Faithful is he that calls me. Who also will do it. Again. Faithful is he who's called me. He also will do it. What will He do? He will keep me. He will guide me. He'll protect me. He'll preserve me. This has to go with the word call. Doesn't it? What's He done? He's called me. And He's going to do what I need Him to do to help me find the call Follow the call. Finish the call. We must have faith in His faithfulness. I said we must have faith in His faithfulness. In case you don't know it, you're in Faith Life Church. You're going to find your way and place by faith. You're going to develop in it by faith. And you're going to finish it. By faith. Did you know that? Without it, you can't find it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But faith is the victory that overcomes every obstacle. Like that salmon overcoming everything. How many know you can follow that locating device? 
inside you. And you're not going to see it all or understand it all. But you don't have to. You just have to keep following him. I said you just have to keep following him. And keep following him and trusting him. How many know those salmon go through some places that don't look like the place they're going to? They go through a lot of places that's not it. Don't they? Those geese fly over a lot of land. A lot of water. And it's not it. And it's not the place. And it doesn't look like the place they're going to. So what must they not do? Don't just stop there and get confused as to why things don't look familiar. This doesn't look right. I know. How long have we been here? Two weeks. It doesn't look right. doesn't feel right. <laughs> How many know it's foolish to stay there and be confused for two years? What should you do? Help me out. What should you do? What should you do? Get that thing in the air. Come on. Help me out now. Get this thing. What? And lock on to this. Because deep is calling unto deep. Hallelujah. And when you're there, you'll know it. Mm, Thank you, Lord. The one who has called us is faithful. Come on, help me out. Faithful. The one who has called us. Tell me. He's faithful. What does that mean? Well, it has to do with the call. He's faithful about the call. What does that mean? The devil is such a liar. He has convinced many Christians that God is making it hard for them to find their place. That he's made it like this tough, tough, tough puzzle, an obstacle course. And they have to pass all the tests and eventually put the pieces together. And it's, man, it's amazing. It's hard. Why? That's a lie. All you have to do is, number one, be born again. And once you're born again, all you've got to do is follow him. Did you hear me? And it is not too hard. It is not something that, you know, only super, super spiritual people can decipher and figure out. That's a lie. Somebody say, it's a lie. Because God is... He's faithful. He's faithful. You can count on Him leading you. You can count on Him guiding you. If you were to take a misstep and start to go the wrong place, you can count on Him. Are you listening, saints? You can count on Him. Getting his hand on your shoulder and guiding you the other way. You can count on him helping you to realize you're about to go the wrong way. You can count on it. I said you can count on it. The devil wants to paint a picture of you running down the road 90 miles an hour and blind and can't see and can't hear and don't have a clue and just hoping some way, somehow, it'll all work out. But the fear is there. Oh, what if I miss it? Well, what if I go the wrong way? What if I choose the wrong thing? What if I become a part of the wrong thing? What if I do this? What if I mess up? What if I mess up? That is a lack of faith in the faithfulness of God. If you're fearful about not finding your place, it's because you lack faith in a faithful God.
I got this in my spirit some years ago. And I do not purport nor claim to have done everything right. But I'll tell you this. Keith's going to make it. <laughs> well, you may not. Yeah, you just hide and watch. Keith's going to make it. What do you mean? I am going to follow my course. I am going to run my race. I am going to finish my course with joy. So a lot of people hadn't. A lot of people have come short. A lot of people didn't make it. You think you're any better than them? That's got nothing to do with better. My faith is not in myself. My faith is in God who loves Keith. And is faithful to Keith. And if I'll just believe that. It's not that I believe I've got more faith in somebody. Or that I'm more spiritually attuned and sensitive. I believe if I don't get it the first time, he'll tell me again. If I don't get it the fifth time, he'll turn up the volume and tell me again. If I don't get it the tenth time, he'll send three people by and go, Hey, Keith, hey, whatever it takes, he will grace me. He will guide me. He will keep me. My faith that he will do that assures it. Keeps the door open for him to do it because it was his idea. I'm not the one told him to say he was faithful and he would do it. I wasn't even around. He's the one that said, it's just for me and you to believe it. Come on, help me out now. Before we learn anything else about finding your place, do you see one of the biggest parts of it? Would you believe that you are going to find your place and your grace and do what you're supposed to do on the planet and run your course and run your race? That's weak. I'm not just looking for volume. <laughs> I'm looking for persuasion. Can you see the enemy has really sowed a bunch of stuff in people's minds and right about these areas? God is a good God. He's faithful. You can trust him. He said, I won't leave you comfortless, didn't he? I won't leave you orphans. Some people try to paint a picture of a, a faraway God who created all this and gave it a spin and left. <laughs> Said, hey, do the best you can. I'll come back a zillion years and check on it. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. Your father knows the current count, current, of the number of hairs on your head. Why keep up with such a thing? You don't. Do you? I got no clue. Exactly the number of the hairs on my head. I know it's less than it used to be. But no clue. He knows from hour to hour what that number is. You telling me he would keep up with something like that? I wouldn't help you find your God-appointed place in the body of Christ? I want you to say it again. God is faithful. The one who calls is faithful. And he will do it. You know what the problem is? Men are unfaithful. You know how people miss the plan of God? 
How they miss their place? Disobedience. It's not a matter of just being ignorant and you'd like to know, but nobody will tell you, oh no, don't you tell me that, I won't believe it for a minute. There's not a man, there's not a woman, there's not a young person born again that is out of their place because nobody helped them to get there. Mm -mm. I believe God is faithful. Do you? God, say it again, God's faithful. He's faithful, the one who called you. is faithful concerning that call. And He will do it. He'll do what? He'll preserve you, spirit, soul, and body, all the way from here to the coming of the Lord. That's your course. That's your race. That's your place, your grace, your life. What's the problem? The problem is, people get to places and they know they're supposed to be there. They decide to do something different. The Lord sets them up. Gives them favor. Gives them a place. And it's where they're supposed to develop. It's where they're supposed to grow. It's where they're supposed to learn lessons. But they don't want that. They want to be big and famous now. And friend, when you resist Him, and you refuse, and you go, you override what you know in your heart, now you've stepped out of light into darkness. And in the darkness, you're going to bump into things. And you're going to stumble, and you're going to fall, and that's going to breed confusion. Things are not going to work. It's going to be hard. For at any time, you're like that. I mean, it's hard. It's laborious. It's not fruitful. It's not satisfying. It's just frustrating, 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 frustrating. Stop and look back. Did you hear me? Stop and look back. Where did you ignore and override what he told you? Because in his way is grace. In his way is peace. In his way, oh, I didn't say it all be a bed of roses. The enemy will try to challenge you on it. But there's grace to overcome every one of them. And the path of the just, help me out path of the just is a dark jungle trail and whoo gets darker and darker no no the path of the just put that up on the screen for us. somebody might not know that proverbs fourth chapter verse 18 the path of the just is what as the shining light have you been justified by your faith in jesus what he did and your faith in it the path of the just is that the shining light. And what happens as you travel along this God-ordained path? Come on, help me out. Huh? Shines more and more. That means it gets brighter and brighter. That means it gets better and better. It means it gets gooder and gooder. Why? Because you're on the right path. You're on the right road. You go through the right towns. You wind up at the right place. You're on the wrong road. You go through towns you should have never went through. Go through places you should have never gone through. I know we our first meeting that Phyllis and I did after 
Rainbow Bible Training Center. Little Holiday Inn rented ballroom. And we went up there and spoke for days and days. And God did good things. Gifts of the Spirit. Healings. Wonderful. We didn't get enough money to get back home. But that's not what we went to start with. God was our provider. You know, we, we had agreed, I had agreed to speak at a church on the way back from the meeting as we drove back. And I got there. They hadn't even finished building the little, little, little building yet. The block wall was only about halfway up. Good thing it was decent weather. <laughs> and man, they had like, what, Phil? Ten people? Twelve people? I mean, it was just, you know, very small. And uh, I didn't even want to wait around after the service to... Uh, for them to say anything about money, I was just going to go. And the pastor come running out and said, wait, Brother Keith, wait, Brother Keith, here's your offering. That was more than enough for us to get home on and make the next step. You know, we didn't get enough in the larger meeting, and we got more than enough in that little meeting. That's why you shouldn't look at the external. But on the way back, I was tired and and uh, I, after I'd driven a while, I said, you know, Phyllis was going to drive. So she's driving and driving and driving. And I, dr- I fell off to sleep. And I woke up to her crying. I thought, whoa, what's wrong? And it was pitch dark. She said, I don't know where I am. I got off in the wrong place. And we found out later, man, they had, uh, it was because of construction. And they had forced you into all these little roads. And we're in a large city. And somewhere or another, we had got in the worst part of town. And I looked up and I looked around. And I said, uh, just don't stop. Just keep, <laughs> keep going. Don't stop. <laughs> and so the Lord helped her and helped us. We got out of there. And we're still here. But how I many understand, we shouldn't have gone through there. Hmm? That was not the road. That was not the right way. When you go off the right road, then you go through some places you shouldn't have gone through. And if you go through places you shouldn't be, you can go through things you shouldn't go through. This describes huge portions of the body of Christ. They're going through things in their life, bad things, they shouldn't be going through. Because they are at places, spiritually and other ways, that they shouldn't be. The Lord gave them a witness about where to be and what to do. And there was a time when they knew it. But they let the enemy cloud their minds. And they got upset or they got mad or they got hurt or they got this or they got that. And they decided they're going to jump out of the place the Lord led them to and put them in. And when you do that, now you're in a place not appointed. Not foreordained. And you'll get into darkness. And you can get into trouble. And you can go through all manner of things. That the Lord never intended that you go through. And he's gracious and he's merciful. But that path does not get brighter. It gets darker. And as a result of the darkness. There's confusion. And how many know God's not in the confusion. Tell me about the path of the just again. You like that path? Oh I like that path. And I don't claim that Phyllis and I have followed exactly all the time. I know we've made mistakes, but we followed enough that it's gotten better. It's gotten better every year, every decade. Things have gotten better. The ministry's gotten stronger. The revelation's gotten stronger. The anointing's gotten stronger. The favor's gotten better. The money's gotten better. Oh, somebody say, praise the Lord. 
Well, that's not just for a couple of people or a couple of preachers. That's the path of the just, justified in Christ. Somebody say glory to God. Say, I'm not getting off the path. I'm going to stay on the path. Glory to God. Is he faithful, the one who called you? Go with me to Hebrews, the 13th chapter, please. The call is connected to desire. Spiritual desire. Desire of the heart. Somebody say call. Desire. Deep calls to deep. I know something in that goose pulls them to go that way. Something in that salmon pulls them to go that way. Something's calling to them. They don't try to think it through. They just follow that inward something. We have the same creator as the goose and the salmon. And we are not less equipped than a goose. I just am not going to accept that. Are you? I believe I'm better equipped than a goose. And if a goose can follow the direction of the Lord, Keith can follow the direction of the Lord and go the path that Keith is supposed to go and wind up at the destination and place that Keith is supposed to wind up. And it's not because I'm so amazing. It's because God is faithful. He's faithful, and if I'll, just, if I'll just follow, is he making it hard for us? Is he hiding it from us? Is he trying to make it obscure? No, no, he's faithful. He's faithful to make it plain, to show us. But this desire helps to define. Part of what makes a salmon a salmon is that desire in them to do what they do, the desire to do the things that salmon do. Part of the thing that makes the goose a goose is the desire to be a goose. Your desires, now let me qualify, not carnal desires, not natural desires. I'm talking about spiritual desires. And there's a conflict between the two. If you let yourself be conformed to this world, the ungodly world is giving themselves completely to ungodly desires. And they're following them, and that will take you away from the plan of God. But there is a desire in your born-again spirit. If you'll heed it and pay attention to it, it is something that will help guide you. Are you with me, friends? It's something that will help guide you, and God has put it in you, and God is working it in you. Hebrews 13 and 20. You keep seeing this phrase over and over, the first phrase. Verse 20 says what? Now the God of what? There it is again. The God of peace. He's not in confusion, but He is peace. That brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Make you perfect in every good work. To what? To do his will. Working in you. 
that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Is it true that he's working in you? Is he faithful? Then he's working in you. What's he working in you? He's working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight. Glory to God. Every good work to what? To do his will. Oh, we need to read this verse again. What is he doing? He's making you perfect. Now, the word perfect doesn't mean flawless. It means complete. It means fully developed. Fully developed, complete in every good work. Why? 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 To do his will. Is he faithful? And he's working in you. Somebody say, he's working in me. Say it again, he's working in me. Say it again, he's working in me. He's working in me. What? That which is well pleasing in his sight, he's working in me to do his will. Well, if he's working in you, all you got to do is cooperate. You are not on your own, bumbling around in the dark. Trying with your lone intellect to figure out the plan of God. No, no. He's been holding your hand. He's been talking to you night and day. He's been giving you the desire to do what he wants you to do. Oh, are you listening, friends? The devil's a liar. He's tried to complicate and make this all confusing and it's just a lie. Deep calls to deep. And when you get a response and you begin to see something that matches your call and your grace, it'll excite you. Because God has already worked in you to desire that. I'm not talking about your head now. It may seem strange to your head, but something in your heart will bear witness to it. And you'll want to know more. And you'll want to pursue it further. And that's the thing to follow. Look in another verse here that says it even develops a little bit further. In uh, Philippians, the second chapter. I'm excited about this. The devil has fought so hard to keep this covered and keep this hid and keep it obscured. And I believe the cover's coming off, cover's coming off. (laughs) Confusion will be leaving people's minds and we're just going to lock on. To our course and our place. And we're not going to make it confusing and complicated. We just will acknowledge what he's saying and what he's doing in us. It'll be plain, simple, easy. How many know the Bible said his yoke is? Easy. His burden is. Light. And the path gets brighter. Sounds good to me. Sound good to you? People talk about serving the Lord. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard to find the will of God. It's so hard to serve the Lord. It's so hard. It's so hard. That is in direct contradiction to the words of Jesus. Direct contradiction to the Bible. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Somebody say light and easy. Easy and light. Come on, say it. Light. Light. 
Easy. <laughs> hey. It's no wonder some folk don't like us. I mean, they're in the dark and they're confused and it's hard, hard. And they hear us hollering about, whoo, whoopee. Don't you love serving the Lord? Oh, it's so great. And they're going, huh? That ain't what I'm going through. I'm sorry. You're not doing it right. The words of Jesus. True. Light. Easy. Path gets brighter. Brighter. More light. It's got to be better. Philippians 2. 13. For it is God which works in you. To what? What's he working in you to accomplish? For you to will. You to will what? You to will to do his good pleasure. And then for he's working in you also for you to do what pleases him. He's working in you. Has been working in you. Some people listen, some people don't. Some people have a better idea. But listen, friend, he knows. He knows he's right. His way's the best. It won't look like it to your head sometimes, but trust him, trust him, trust him. If he says stay, I don't care how amazing it looks over there, you better stay. Because he's right. He knows. If he says go, I don't care how wonderful and comfortable you are where you are, he's right. Do what he said. Go. But don't say he said go and he didn't. Oh, man, people do this so much. There's been times I wanted to help somebody. But they got up and they said, well, the Lord told me such and such. Well, what am I going to say? No, he didn't. Don't listen to him. Listen to me. How many know the conversation is pretty much over? If the Lord told you to do something, you should do it. But so many people are saying the Lord said, and they're lying. Or maybe at the best, confused. But how'd you get confused? Because you ignored him some other time. And you fabricated something else. Friend, don't say the Lord told me. And you're just using that as a justification to do what you want to do. Don't be dishonest like that. It'll get you out of his course, out of his path, out of your place. This is good news. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. This is the word. Can it produce faith in you? What kind of faith? Read it again. Put it up on the screen in the Amplified. It is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. When? All the while. Energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. He's working in us. The thing is, it's been too obvious to people. 
They didn't like that. They knew it. They saw it. And they didn't want that. So they concocted and created something else. Friend, all you got to do is get born again. And then say, yes, sir. (laughs) And then tomorrow night say, yes, sir. And then the next day say, yes, sir. And then the next day say, yes, sir. And then the next day, are you, you yes, getting the picture? Yes, huh? Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then the next day, yes, sir. that's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Now, you won't see where it's going. And you he won't show you the whole thing on purpose. He expects you to walk by faith. Come on, if his goose will fly by faith, why can't you? If his salmon will swim by faith, why won't his man? Yeah, he, he expects it. He requires it. And if you'll just do that, Every day, and day after day, and day after day, and week after week. How many understand what's going to happen? You will be at the right place at the right time. You'll be around the right people. You'll hear the right words. Oh, come on, are you listening? God is faithful. He's faithful. He's got you by the hand. He's got His Spirit inside you. He's leading you. He's directing you. He's bringing up the rearward. Are you listening? His angels have prepared the way. He had it planned out before you were born. Are you listening? All you got to do is say yes and yield. You will know. He's faithful. You will know what you're supposed to do. You will see it. I said, well, I don't know. I don't believe it. You'll never convince me that he didn't tell you and show you. He's faithful. There's millions of people who didn't want it that way. Didn't like what he had picked. Chose to do something else. And that's where you get in the dark, in the confusion. But I assure you, he shows everybody. I said he shows everybody. Not only does he show everybody, he's working in you continually isn't he to work in you to give you a heart desire for what he's leading you into and what he's bringing to you he's working in you effectually supernaturally night and day so that you actually have a desire to do what he's calling you to do and you actually have the ability to do what he's calling you to do he's working in you night and day All you got to do is not get crazy. All you got to do is not get hard-headed and rebellious. That's all you got to do. All you got to do is not get rebellious and disobey. That's all you got to do. Just keep saying yes. And when you see it and know it, do it. And when you see it and know it, do it. And when this comes plain to you, he's not holding anybody responsible for light he hasn't given them yet. But when he shows you something and you know it and you see it, you may be able to con some other people. But how many know you will never calm him? He's the one showed you. He knows he showed you. He knows what you know. He knows what you saw. And if you will go in it. Oh, come on. Do you see the picture? What's the word? If you just keep saying yes, yes. If you just keep complying, keep yielding. How many know what's going to be happening? Brighter and brighter. Oh, it is so exciting. I'm about to talk in tongues. It's so exciting. 
Because I, I've been on this path not very long, but long enough that some things, the dots are beginning to be connected for me in some areas and places. And I'm thinking, oh, God, you are so smart. Oh, and you begin to see he had you there and you thought, man, what in the world could this ever be for the kingdom of God? But I learned something that prepared me for the next thing. I'm talking about fixing flats. I'm talking about stocking groceries. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about natural jobs and things that people wouldn't think. But when you're a child of God, He's got a plan on your life. Are you listening? And He will use every piece and part to mold you and shape you. You don't see where you're going, but He's grooming you. He's grooming you. He's preparing you for the next thing that's coming up. Don't despair and don't despise what's in front of you now. For the child of God, none of it is accidental. Go to Acts, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Acts 17. Acts 17. And 25. God is not worshipped. With men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he gives to all life and breath and all things. And has made of one blood all nations of men. We all come from one blood. Everybody. Racism is ignorance. There is no such thing as any genetic differences based on race. It doesn't exist. Skin color is no different from hair color, eye color. Are you listening? One blood. Somebody say one blood. You did know we all had the same parents, right? Adam and Eve. Did you know that? Huh? <laughs> Besides that. You know, people who decide, you know, well, I don't like this color people or that color people are being such hypocrites. Delve into your past. Go on, look. <laughs> Whatever you hate, that's part of you. Probably a lot bigger part than you want to acknowledge or imagine. We all come from the same two. Right? Adam and Eve, one blood. Foolish, ignorant. He said, he's made of one blood, all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth. Now get this. And he has what? What? He has determined the times before appointed. And what? And the bounds of their habitation. That they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him. And what? Talking about people that don't know him. If they just reach out, they'll find him, though he be not far from every one of us. You ain't got to climb the highest mountain. You ain't got to swim the largest sea. Read verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. He's as close as our breath. He's inside us. He's round about us. Oh, can you see it? You're where you were born, where you grew up. Who you are around is not an accident. Who you were born to, how you grew up, 
Now, I'm not saying everything that happened was the will of God. People have a free will, and they've done some wrong stuff. But where the geography, the culture, all of those things was part of his plan. Not random. I said not random. If you believe this verse, you believe it's not random. God has ordained and appointed the places and the environment. Let me read this to you. Put up the Amplified again. The Amplified on 1726. He made from one common origin, one source, one blood, all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth, having definitely determined their allotted periods of time. You and I are supposed to be alive in 2009 instead of 1709. Did you hear me? And I'm happy about it. I like my time. Why? Because I wouldn't fit in another time like I do in this time. This is my time. This is your time. This is our place in the unfolding of time on the earth. This is the space and place of time we're supposed to be. We're exactly at the right place at the right time. Oh, does this do anything for you? This stirs me up. Can you see the foreknowledge of God? Can you see the providence of God throughout the ages? Does He know the end from the beginning? Did He know you before you were born? Yes. And He's the one that picked where you were born and who you associated with. Why? Because those associations have all contributed to make you who you are. And I'm talking about the good ones. No, not the devil ones. He allowed some things for you to overcome. That makes you part of what you are too. Victories. Not failures. I know some people disagree. But God is not a God of failure. He's God of increase. He's the God of victory. Keep reading. Having definitely determined and appointed and arranged. That word means appointed and arranged. It means arranged in an orderly manner. Their allotted periods of time and the fixed boundaries of their habitation, their settlements, lands, and abodes. How many think you're supposed to be in Branson right now? Tonight I'm talking about at least. Wherever you are, if you think, I don't think I'm supposed to be where I am, then that means, if it's true, it's because at one point you knew where you were supposed to be and wouldn't do it. Did you hear me? Now, we've been around long enough in this church for some people that God sent to Branson have left because they got offended. And they're somewhere else. And that's a problem. Not because of us. I mean, you know, I don't lay awake and lose sleep about it. But I do pray for them when I think about it because I don't want to see them miss out. And we don't have 20 years to waste. Why we kick things around and decide if we're going to do this or we're going to do that. Friend, your life is clicking by. Do you understand? There's a place where you're supposed to be. A time you're supposed to be. Elbows you're supposed to be rubbing. Did you hear me? People that God has prearranged because the way they think, you need to hear it. The way they live, you need to see it. Did you hear me? All of it. 
is God's plan. And it's not something that is so hard to find. It's something he's been working in you night and day. All you got to do is go with the flow. All you got to do is not buck against the program. All you got to do is what you know, what you see, what you know. Read that in closing. Philippians 2. Let that get down in your spirit. Stand up on your feet. You can read it off the screen. Philippians 2, 13 in the Amplified. You believe we're making progress in this? You think you could keep this in your mind tonight? High on your bed tonight? When you get up in the morning, could you remember this? What is it? It is God. The faithful God. God who is all the while effectually at work. Somebody say in me. In me. What's he doing? He's energizing and creating in me the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. I ain't got to cross the world and try to find it somewhere. He's working it inside me all the time. John. The seventh chapter, I didn't touch on our side, and ours is where the most problems have come up from. John 7 and 17th verse. They put this on the screen for us. Now we talked tonight about the call. And we talked about connected with the call is the desire. And we talked about how God is working His desire in us. God is working in us to do what? To will and to do of his plan, his pleasure. The other side of it is this. If any man will do his will, what will happen? He shall what? He shall what? He'll be confused. He will know. In this particular case, he's talking about a teaching that they're hearing. He'll know whether it's of God or whether it's of man. He's speaking of himself. Isn't this what everybody's so hungry for? To know. To know if it's God or if it's something else or somebody else. Look at the Amplified. This is born out in the Greek. This first way it says it here. If any man, what? What? Desires... To do his will. That's what the literal Greek says. If any man desires to do his will, what will happen? Oh, did you see this? What'll happen? He will know, and the Amplified amplifies, he will have the needed illumination to recognize and can tell for himself. He's not confused now, is he? He's got the light, he's got the clarity, and he knows whether it's from God or whether it's from man. Somebody speaking of themselves. Oh, can you see this? You've got to answer what God is working in you by choosing and desiring to do his will, whatever that might be. I'm talking about before you find out. He's working in you. To will and do of his good pleasure. But you got a will. And you've got to take that will. And will to do. His will. By faith. Before you find out. How many know the master said this. I delight. To do thy will. Oh God. Lift up your hand and say that out loud. I delight. To do your will. Oh God. 
I will to do your will. Even though I don't know all the details and all the plan. I don't have to. I delight to do your will. I will to do your will. I choose to yield to what you're working in me. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.